listenership, boys and girls, Steelers and Browns fans. This is Of Leadership. I'm John. And I'm Alex. And I'm Zach. And this episode, we're going to talk about an interesting topic that I came up with Mm -hmm. in all. So if you don't like it, you can blame me. Mm, Thanks for being vulnerable tonight. I appreciate it. I listened to the Brene Brown talk and have thought long and hard about being vulnerable. I chew my fingernails, just so you know. (laughs) We're going to talk about how Bowen family systems theory informs our view of blank. And each of us are going to take... A, Alice, you're looking at me kind of strange. Well, you said how Bowen, I thought it was how Bowen Family Systems Theory changed my blank, my view on blank, so, excuse me. Yes, it's the, the general spirit okay. of the sentence. Okay, all right. We need to be flexible here. Nope, rigid. <laughs> you know, ruffles have rigids, uh-huh. you know. Oh, yes, they do. Okay. I prefer baked Pringles. Oh, baked Pringles. Mm-hmm. Can you still put them As in your mouth and they look like what? a duck lips? When are Pringles not baked? Are they fried? Maybe. I don't know. I know that the baked Lay's, that's what I was thinking of. Those okay. are <laughs> Those are bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, when the chips are down, leadership is here for you. <laughs> so this is episode number 58. 58. And when I heard 58, I thought of the pride of Crestwood High School. Oh. Yes, in the Portage County League with the fierce of Mogador Wildcats. Uh-huh. Manaway. Manaway. Yeah. Versus Man, two women well. away. And, and, and then we, uh, Kent State University, back in their glory days when they had some. Do you know Kent State University actually went to the Salad Bowl one year? Anyways, that was the name of a bowl. <laughs> but the pride of Crestwood and Kent State University <laughs> and a Pittsburgh Steeler, I must confess, with somewhat sh- uh, chagrin. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be Jack Lambert. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a beast. Yeah. Middle linebacker for the Steelers. Yes, he was pretty awesome. Yeah. Zach, big Jack Lambert fan. Huge Jack Lambert fan. <laughs> so, I know that gets your your uh, dander <laughs> up. Mm-hmm. Wait, doesn't he have like a Lambert Auto Mall? Uh, I think there's no connection. Oh, okay. Between the Lambert Auto Mall and Jack Lambert, Got I it. don't think. Okay. Oh well, I'm not a fan anymore. <laughs> That's where he's buying his Kias from. <laughs> yes, right. Kias. What happens if you lose your car Kias? I wondered that. <laughs> you are just full of them today. Oh, when your yeah. chips are down. Yes, yes. Chips are down. Kia, Kia's, keys. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about this topic. It's episode 58. Before we do, I think we have to recap <laughs> our last podcast. And if I remember, we had Brene Brown. We didn't have <laughs> Brene Brown on the podcast. Maybe we could oh. try to secure her services to come on our podcast. I think that either Brene Brown, there's one of two ways I think we look at this. Okay. We call her up and she somehow connects with us or selection two, which I'm, I might be more open to is having something Brene'sed, like a Brene's, but you know, they like have a brown crust on it. And so we say we have Brene's brown is here Ooh, with us. Yeah. I'd actually prefer the food option, <laughs> even if she's available. Yeah. I think I'm hungry now. <laughs> I am hungry. <laughs> Brene's brownies. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> Yummy. Yummy, yummy. So what did we talk about? We, we watched her, her, her TED Talk on the power of vulnerability. Guys, you want to recap the podcast for us, for our listeners? So we watched a 20-minute video of hers about from about eight years ago, a TED Talk, and she, she talks about how 
vulnerability is a common human condition and how we in our society tend to numb ourselves to that to try and um restrict that and in actuality the people who are wholehearted the people who are i don't know if she would say the best version of themselves but Mm. the people who she wants to be like are the wholehearted and they are vulnerable people and so we discussed that concept of vulnerability and what that looks like and the philosophical implications. We we brought up Aristotle and Pythagorean's theorem mm-hmm. and lots of other high-minded uh, hypotenuse stuff. And <laughs> Wow, that went right over my head. Uh, it's today's 10-cent word, hypotenuse. Great. So if you are interested in listening to that podcast, then you should do that. So hopefully you'll. <laughs> it's up to you. It's totally up to you. You sound just like her uh, her TED talk there. If you uh, want to yes. be something, then be something. <laughs> Amen. I think that's what she was going for, for sure. If you want to be something, be something. Yeah, it's a good, yeah. good summary. And yeah. It's uh, the show notes of the talk. So tonight I'm going to I'm going to talk about three things. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about how Bowen family system changed our perspective on blank. And we're going to go ahead and fill in that blank. We're going to then give a quote or some summary of an idea that we have. And then the other two of you, and I'll start, uh, I would appreciate questions, thoughts, perspective, pushback, or just outright sabotage Mm -hmm. would be fine. Okay. So I'm going to start off tonight. I'm going to start off looking at, this is getting ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> for, for our listeners, maybe you'll cut this out. I keep saying tonight because I'm looking out the window and it's dark outside. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I think it's tonight. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Because tonight is the night. It is, even though you're listening to this podcast probably, I don't know, <laughs> sometime. It releases at 4 a.m., so. Which is night. My point exactly. (laughs) So how Bowen family systems theory changed my view on politics. So as a longtime government teacher and pseudo political scientist, I study governments. I study the U.S. government. I study governments in other countries as part of my profession. And this was the quote I came up with that's somewhat ad-libbed and borrowed from others, but captures my thoughts. And that is this. Anxious systems resist the type of leader that would most help them to reverse the downward regression they find themselves in. I'll say it again because that was so impressive. Anxious systems resist the type of leader that would most help them to reverse the downward regression they find themselves in and, I might add, are completely unaware of that downward regression. I would say that. Oh, so that's, wow. that's my opening <clears throat> salvo mm-hmm. that I believe is true. And I teach a leadership class through Ashland University and had a class last Friday in which I said, and I stand by it, that 30 years ago, Donald Trump would have never been elected president in the United States, but he's exactly what an anxious system wants. 
Mm. And I believe that's true. I was going to ask you some examples. So uh, obviously the Donald. Yes, the and, Donald. And what are there some other ones that we... Well, if you look uh, all around, well, you look at the president of Mexico, Obrador, otherwise known as AMLO, is his famous nickname. Mm. Uh, and all throughout much of Western and Eastern Europe, you see a rise of nationalism, of anti-immigrant uh, candidates and parties who are gaining significant traction, even in the peace-loving Sweden, who has been as ecumenical and as open a society as you can think of. Uh, the most recent elections, 17% of the party called the Swedish Democrats, which are an, essentially an anti-immigrant party, uh, they gathered, gathered 17% of the vote in the EU. Uh, so we're seeing traction all around the world of this types of what I believe regressive candidates that um, are rising up and President Trump is one of them. So this is not just a U.S. problem. It is not. It's not unique to the United States. More an us problems, I like to think of it. Right. It's not us versus them. It's U.S. versus the world. <laughs> so part of your definition is that we're unaware of the downward tr- spiral, right? I think that Bowen theory suggests that we are unaware of our own when the system is anxious, it is unaware, unaware of its own anxiety because we're not very perceptive of understanding our current state because we tend to feel a lot and think very little. But are we right here, right now, aware of it? Who's we? John, Alex, and I. Uh, I can't think for you all, but I think I'm relatively aware of it. So is this the Matrix? Like, where am I and what are my choices? Um, your choices are? The blue pill and the red pill? Pills. Pills. <laughs> I feel like I've been given that option before. Pill. <laughs> I feel like that's what society's throwing at me. Yes, they are. Lots of pills. We are taking lots of pills that is. as a society. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that was a point in... Uh, of Brene Brown's in the last podcast yes. was, uh, I don't think pills. we mentioned it, but she, she said we are, um, the most, uh, pilled addicted, the most obese, the most anxious, Prescribed dot, medicine. dot, dot, um, that we, the adults in American history. Well, think about, and I'm, I'm anxious to hear your questions, but I'll talk first. Think about, what anxious systems do. They want quick fix solutions. Mm-hmm. President Trump offers those quick fix solutions. Yes. And and anxious systems are addicted to those because the pain that I have, I want someone to remove it, to give me explanation from it. And, you know, the medication, and certainly there's valid uses of medication, and I'm not a you know, going to to prescribe theory on this, but nonetheless, we physicians just give out pills quickly in some cases to placate the masses who are highly anxious and want a solution to the problem they're feel, facing. So then, my follow up question is: How do we ever get good leaders in positions of power? I don't know. I, I mean, look at the last 2016 Republican debate, where. 
any thoughtful Republican candidate was just lambasted by the president. And there was no exchanging of ideas. I think of John Kasich and trying to communicate thoughtful ideas and just lampooned. And those types of individuals just cannot get traction in an anxious system because what they're proposing partly is self self what am I thinking here? Um, thinking about what part of this problem have I created and how can I help provide a solution versus the problem is out there with that person or that group. And that's they're, what anxious systems They're do. willing to accept some level of responsibility. They're willing to take on responsibility rather than put it onward. Who's they're, they? The candidate. The candidates who are not able to gain traction. Yes, exactly right. The yes. heroes we need. Yes. They're causing people to, to look at themselves and look inward and if what I see inside I don't like I, I'd rather look outward looking outwards easier and mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's what we're seeing and um, we're in a regressive state Bowen said it in the in the well, 80s uh, before he passed away and I think we're we have regressed societally pretty significantly since then and that continues it just makes me think of the Dark Knight. Um, if you've seen that Batman movie, there's that quote about like he's not the hero we need uh, he, because he's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him because he can take it because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, <laughs> a Dark Knight. That's pretty apt. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's I, I think that's why John always talks about night. Because he's really yes. talking about the mm-hmm. dark night. I am talking about yeah. the dark night. Because yes. this is, it, it, yeah, it's part of your core What did being. you think of the dark night, John? I know how much you love movies. Oh, it was wonderful. You know, the, that, that scene in the courtyard where the knights were battling the, <laughs> the, the horses and the had all the armor, that was really a powerful scene. So, but really, though, wouldn't the suggestion... Jousting. Unbelievable what, scene. Would the suggestion be that we only have good leaders when we ourselves aren't anxious like that's when we're able to promote them or when like when we look back on history and we see good leaders is that a change in our perspective a way that we've sort of rewritten history with a framing of some kind or is it that society wasn't Anxious, like we look at Abraham Lincoln, uh, the abolisher of slavery, and I'm certain that was an anxious time. It was very anxious. Well, here's the thing about, and I was thinking about uh, Lincoln versus uh, President Trump. Um, <laughs> one had a taller hat, and one had a taller hat, and the other one had taller hair. <laughs> And that's the conclusion. Hey, Leadership. Yes. You need a tall hat. <laughs> a tall End of hat. episode. Right. No hair needed. Uh, I think that both times were anxious. Yet I think with Abraham Lincoln, he was willing to. So the book Team of Rivals. Thank you, Alex, for mm-hmm. giving me that book. Uh, in that particular book, Team of Rivals, uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, invited, not tolerated, invited people who thought differently than him to be close to him and to to exchange ideas and to offer perspectives in his thinking and I don't know that our current president does that um, Abraham Lincoln was willing to take risks and put himself out there and talk about ideas versus uh, personal attacks so I think two different times 
similar anxiety, but two very different leaders who fundamentally differ in this one area. And I think it's emotional maturity and anxious systems invite the immature to rise to leadership. And I think we have that person in our country. Now, I've heard this said, so this is my question as, as the politics man over here. This is my question to you is, have there been, has there been an erosion of standard? Standard of what? Um, what what we think of the standard of how people should act towards one another or the standard of what, yeah, I mean, how people yeah. should act towards one another sure. and how we, what we should be, how we should respect sure. one another. So, you know... If I'm interacting with you, I could I could respond thoughtfully or kind of whimsically, and, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think in an anxious system we tend to focus on feelings versus thinking. So the erosion of standard, I think, is it's not so much an erosion of standard is it's I'm allowing my emotions to dictate what I say and think. Anxious systems do this, and reining in that 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 statement or that that you know hurling of insult is anxious systems just don't have that filter anymore Hmm. so maybe the standard has changed because anxiety has risen yeah yeah because you know i've heard (laughs) and now this was a rapper called propaganda was in one of his songs he talks about lowering if you lower the standard or you, you lower the standard, you lower the culture. So everything goes down when you lower the standard. So that's why I asked yeah. that because I always thought that was an interesting take on things. So, yeah. So, so I think, you know, just to kind of sum up my point, uh, it, that uh, anxious environments demand strong leaders who at the same time are resisted for stepping out from the group and trying to be an individual and lead well. Doesn't mean that we don't need strong leaders. They're just harder to find. So. That's my view on Bowen's systems theory and politics. Thoughts on that before we move on? Does any of this have to do with an increased weight of opinion of the reactive response Um, with social media, with um, just the... I want to say the newsiness of the news, but just the the anxiety that's being poured out and the quick fixes, those responses that we're talking about. It seems like the Democratic Republic opinion, which may have once been fostered on a more conversational tone, is now a pointing of fingers and a um, binary decision populated by reactive responses? Yeah, I think anxious systems, of course, are more reactive than thoughtful. I think there's a Bowen talked about that anxious systems emphasize togetherness over individuality. And and so that reactive, where the Democrats think one way, the Republicans think another. And if you step outside of that and reach across the aisle, if you will, you are... Uh, considered to be a traitor, that you're not one of us, you're not one of the group. They don't necessarily say these types of words, but this is inherently how anxious systems operate, and it happens unconsciously. This is not willful choices that people make to say, hey, be part of the group, but it's just inherent in survival, and anxious systems are bent on survival, and the threat to an anxious system, this this be clear what Bowen said, the threat to an anxious system is a person defining themselves apart from the group and this is why leaders get pulled 
down because they're trying to do what's best for the group, but the group sees it as a threat and it's all below the level of conscious awareness. So politics, politics. All right. Uh, who's next? Rock, paper, scissors is what we're just happening here to our listeners. Okay. Paper over rock. Zach looks like I you're lost up. and apparently losing is winning because I get to go first. All yeah. right. So how Bowen family systems changed my view on identity, identity. And I feel like your last response, John, really covered just the the um, concretioning the uh Concretion. Wow. <laughs> it's like a concentrated, conse- concentrated? Yes. Consecrated. To make something more like concrete. Yes. <laughs> Concretioning. That's great. <laughs> this is my favorite podcast of all time because you said that word. But it, it really helps me to solidify uh, my understanding of where we draw the lines of identity, uh, where our forms of identity come from, what builds into that, and the way that we consider belonging, belonging. Uh, and that's especially where you contributed, John, with this idea that anxiety just makes you want to find somewhere safe. Um, even if it's not a place you should be or a, th- a place that um, promotes thoughtful thinking or a formation of self. It's where you're instinctively driven to. And so um, just thinking through this, I came up with just the three thoughts that sort of led to me to this or three supporting points is uh, you, you just really see the influence of others on the development of your own self. You really see how the people who you don't have direct interaction with have influenced the people who influence you, especially within the family, that multi-generational process. You see that your immediate family is the one who teaches you how to relate to people, maybe not on the level that you think you know, but on these broad spectrums of where you just land in terms of feeling comfortable with closeness and um, separation of togetherness and individuality, Um, you know, these uh, general behaviors that identify you, that you've learned from your family without even realizing it, that they've contributed to you without likely even realizing it. And that's the basis of who you are and where you're starting your life from, which just amazes me. And you go from there. And my second point is that guiding principles shape the trajectory of your life. And you have the opportunity to develop those and to live on those based off of experiences that might happen incidentally. Or you also have the ability to form them um, thoughtfully and considerately um, and uh to hold them with an open hand and potentially trade them out for others. But the idea that you're, you're choosing to live your life in a particular way consciously that leads you to being able to connect with others for others to safely connect with you, to understand who you are and what you're about. And from there, my third point is that, um, this idea of belonging by how you define yourself when you you restrict yourself to this anxiety to this this um this 
the, this necessitation of safety, of inclusion, of allowing other people to draw the lines or allowing those lines to be formed naturally, um, you end up losing a lot of yourself, a lot of your individuality. Uh, on the other hand, you have the option of looking at others and, you know, Bowen's theory is based on this idea of observable commonalities in behavior, in responses, in reactivities. And so we can look at other people and we can connect with them and we can intentionally share this human experience through um, fostering this sense of curiosity that not only helps you to develop an appreciation for others, but when you when you look at yourself, when you look at who you, when you look at your own experiences and you look reflectively and when you look down from the tree, you see who you are and what you're about and the ability to partake in a community um, that really fosters growth and development of um, who you are and who you want to be. So Zach, could you give us like maybe specific examples? You talked about how this has influenced, you know, how, how it's changed your view on identity. So specifically for you, Zachary Dwayne Stahl. Um, especially recently, you know, I've had more conversations with my mom as she's intentionally processed her childhood and the way that she dealt with um, her parents and her parents' relationships together and their conflicts and how she was involved in those conflicts and um, how that affected the way that she related to her siblings. And I look at that and I see how she has intentionally raised us as children. And now that I have a fiancé, looking at how she's relating to... Abby and how um, my mom related to her mother and to her mother-in-law and seeing the influence that that has had in her relationships intentionally and unintentionally, positively and negatively, has also drawn me into certain behaviors that I never would have realized unless I had stepped up in this tree and looked down and saw how... um, driven this behavior is by previous patterns of relationships within the family and just that that's the basis of how I relate to other people and certainly how anyone relates to anyone else is driven by um, this concretioning (laughs) this concretioning of um, family relational patterns into our identity and how we go from there. Yeah, I think the the concretioning mm-hmm. is helpful. Most people see it as asphalting, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's not yeah. blaming the stupid uncle. Mm, no, By asphalting, I'm referring uh, to a, a more pliable form of of what. A more pliable form of permanence mm. is asphalt. Mm. And it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. And it's cheap, absolutely much cheaper. <laughs> but I think people, they think things are actually more pliable, than. but I think they're more concretioning. So I think that's really, really helpful. Yeah, I think some people strive for concretioning a little more than they ought to, though, because, you know, with asphalting, you can you can see all the little imperfections. You can. And I, I just think there's some beauty in that. Thank you. Yeah. But we digress, you know. Alex, how Bowen Family Systems Theory changed your view on? Leadership. 
<laughs> How long did it take you to think of that one? Uh, on the you know, All of Leadership podcast. I wanted to go with something different, but really, I couldn't. I just couldn't. You know, I had so many different ideas, but this one seemed to make the most sense. So, okay, well, spell it out for uh, us. Okay, so growing up, um, I would say that I was just a different cat. I was just a bit different from my from my other friends and from the other people at school and characteristically I would say teachers would say that I was a leader and I didn't actually know what that meant at all and so um, I I was quite shy growing up I would say and <clears throat> always stuck to my principles and I don't know if that was because I was afraid there was some I was a little bit of afraid but I, I um, the way that my sister Brooke just transformed my life, really made me care about people more than others, I think, especially at that age. And I just didn't want to make fun of kids. And I mean, I was the kid if, you know, there was a time when boys would hit each other and I would not hit anybody and I would be like, why are you punching me? Like, and so, you know, I mean, I would tell kids to grow up. That's the kid I was. So like, you know, like just kind of an oddball. And so, um, going through Bowen family systems theory, uh, and, and hearing about it really helped me understand what leadership was all about. And so, um, Maxwell says that influence is, uh, I mean, influence leads into leadership, right? So leadership, it has to do with influence. And that really made me change my mind on what it meant because growing up, um, when it came to friends, I usually only had one friend uh, who was my best friend and characteristically got used up. I, I say that in quotes, but I, I felt like I got used a lot. You know, I would give, 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 and then, you know, kind of change myself for the other person a little bit, maybe just a little bit. And then they would just kind of spit me out the other side and they didn't really care about me too much. They just cared about what they were doing. And so I cared about them a lot. And so that happened quite a few times in a row. And so, um, I guess what, Bowen Family Systems Theory is helping me understand even now to this day is how to let others borrow self from me in a healthy way. Because I think what was happening is I, I probably was influential. Like there's certain instances that I remember, um, and, and I'm not tooting my own horn here. I give full um, credit to my sister and to my parents growing up. I give zero to myself. I'm undeserving of any of the accolades, seriously. And so, I mean, I even remember in college, I lived on this dorm with freshmen, and it was awful. Like, <laughs> it's terrible. Like, I just remember things that I didn't. I don't want to be a part of people drinking all sorts of things. And I remember I changed my dorm like with a month left and like people cried that I never, t and I was like, what the, like, and I didn't, and you know, and I'm like, what, what kind of impact am I having here? I have no idea, you know? And so somehow I was given this leadership ability, but like I said before, I, I, it ended up me getting used up. So now it's trying to balance this part to where, how can I let people borrow self from me and have influence and yet do it in a way that's healthy and not be giving up myself fully to that other person to where there's nothing left. Or I, I, in, in some ways I'm giving myself so that way they could be my friends and they would accept me. You know, it was almost like it's weird it's like I, I couldn't have any friends because, like, <laughs> there's such different levels of, like, <sighs> maturity. I guess I don't know. There, it was just different for me uh, all around. So, so when it came to leadership, 
I, I just didn't understand what it was or why it was weird. So, like, Bowen Family Systems Theory gives me, like, a good definition to what I'm actually looking at instead of just being like, well, I'm just kind of weird. And I guess, you know. It gave you an understanding of your individuality and how that influence affected others and how they perceived you as a leader, even though you in your own eyes were just off to the side doing your own thing. Yeah, I would not have can I would not have thought I was a leader at all because the leadership that I saw in there was hierarchical, right? It was the positions and what position are you in? And to me, I was I wasn't any like, I never remember positions and like I I was shy as it was and I didn't want to like take any position, you know, any stuff like that. And so I would have just been happy with one friend and just hanging out with that person and have been fine, you know? Um, I, I think for our listeners, they might appreciate a practical application to what you said. So what would it look like for a leader to, and I'm going to paraphrase your, your saying, to, to lend self in order to, how did you finish that? So how to let others borrow self from you in a healthy way. Okay. So how could I, as a leader, do that? in a healthy way how could i how could i lend self or so others borrow self mm-hmm. so what does that look like practically i think knowing yourself well i think is a good place to start so knowing man what are my guiding principles what are my standards and am i clear about those to other people do they know where i stand with those and once you have that standard set for yourself and people know where you're coming from um, it kind of goes back to the Brene Brown of being vulnerable with them then too. So there's a, nobody likes, <laughs> nobody likes the person who has all their crap together, who has the rules and they just, you know, bangs on everybody's heads when they're, they're not doing things correctly. Right. They want somebody who's real, who, who's a real person who lives through life. And so, um, I think that vulnerability can be really helpful, um, and that is in your control of which you can be vulnerable on the other end of it. So the borrowing of self, that part of it be, by being vulnerable, people can connect with you easier. Um, can I ask a question between the connection between yes. vulnerability and so you're lending self. If someone's borrowing self, this is the exchange you're yes. lending self. So by being vulnerable, is that lending self? I think, I think so. Okay. Yeah. In some ways. Yes. Like, because I think, and maybe vulnerability is not the word, but trying to make connections with people um, just on a basic humanity level of like, man, I've really struggled with. We don't have to be the same thing, but showing people that you've struggled and have had trouble with, so with things can really help people connect because we all have issues in this life. And so, um, but if you don't show those things to other people. Yeah. So if you if you are vulnerable with another, you're lending self, which which helps someone feel not so alone mm-hmm. and helps give them courage to mm-hmm. face their problems and gives them hope. Yeah. And they're borrowing that courage from you, mm-hmm. which comes from vulnerability. She talked about in her talk about vulnerability and courage and the link between the two of those. Yeah. And so that's, I'm seeing that just that, that progression of vulnerability to connection mm-hmm. to courage that you and help instill in another. I don't know, Zach, if your thoughts on that or if you want to continue. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, when, when you start making those connections, um, I think there's a, a big portion of this too, is being encouraging 
to not only to the other person, but to yourself and continually working on yourself. I know that sounds weird. I want to encourage myself, but like, that's also recognizing that what you're doing is right to you. So these are my standards. These are my principles and I'm going to continue to stand by them. Um, because this is what I think is right for myself. Um, based off of my continual (laughs) anecdotal, but you know, research, um, upon how this works in, in this life. Um, that seems very heady now that I say it, but, um, I think this is really important. The word lending self of what that means. Mm. You're not lending ideas. Mm -hmm. You're not saying, Hey, here's my principles. Use these. Mm -hmm. Here's a template to live, but you're helping someone giving them the space to think through their own problems and then develop their own principles, which may be similar to yours, may not be similar to yours, Mm -hmm. which is really what you talked about earlier about John Maxwell's quote about uh, leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. You are then influencing another to solve the problem they have for themselves. And it begins with vulnerability leading to connection, which leads to courage, which leads to agency on my part Mm -hmm. and leads to growth on me as a person that you and help to initiate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, I guess in, in a nutshell, I think about how I used to think leadership, you know, when people said I was leader, I didn't really understand it. And then I thought you had to be all these other things, but really it's, I mean, yes, it's a difficult journey, but like the amount of things you actually need to do, like things, you don't need to speak in front of a bunch of people. You don't need to, you know what I mean? Just be there. Being present with people makes such a huge difference. And I learned that a lot from my sister and actually my parents as well. And so I mean, the amount of influence you can have just by being consistently with somebody and they know that consistency can make such a world of difference to everybody. And so I think John and I really experience that on a daily level when we're at school. So when students come to our classrooms, I mean, I, I try to be the same person every single day. Um, and so that, that way they, at least throughout their days, the rest of their day might be crazy, but when they come to my class, they, at least they know they were what they're getting from me. And so that means a lot to me just to do that on a daily basis. Any closing thought guys, this is really interesting to hear mm-hmm. the perspective of politics, identity and leadership. Any closing thoughts on any of these topics? Yeah. It's just interesting to think Alex about how you were, maybe not the traditional example of a leader in your own eyes, but systemically in terms of managing anxiety, in terms of um, balancing principles and actions and balancing relationships in terms of connection and even just like the understanding to say, you know, if I had just one friend, you know, that's all I really needed. Like, I don't need this, that, or the other. I don't need all the friends. I don't need everyone's approval. You know, I'm just looking for someone who I can share myself with, be vulnerable, whatever that looks like. That's on that systemic level. You were the example. You were the leader that people were looking towards. And without that, I mean, what do we know from Bowen's theory? You lose that dampener of anxiety and that sucks. Mm Mm-hmm. You love homeostasis, yeah, and you destroyed it just Thanks, walking away. Well, and, and Zach and I have a little bit of background too. He's known me since he was a freshman in high school. So it means a lot to me, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, thanks for the concretion today, and really helped to cement uh, the theory. 
Um, and yeah, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no asphalting, which no is asphalting. really great. No asphalting. It just really gives you that, that road rash and that's just no good. <laughs> that's it sure is bad. So let's talk about advice for, we have some people that stalk us in inappropriate ways <laughs> and we're looking for maybe a more healthy connection. So guys, how could they connect with us in a more healthy way? Oh, of leadership.com. You get everything you need there. Of a leadership, we've got some references there. We have all of our podcasts. Ways to connect to us. There's even a picture of Misha on there. She's a dog. That's She's perfect. She's a beaut. <laughs> she is a beaut. Email. Uh, you can connect with us at ofleadership at gmail.com. And, you know, we've been talking about vulnerability and the healthy expression of that today. Feel free to just email us your problems and we'll air them to the world. So, you know, uh-huh. we're, we're here for you and we'll make sure everyone else is too. Yes. Yes. And, and in somewhat seriousness, if you have a topic that you'd like to to address, send us a note at that email address, which is of leadership at gmail.com. We'd be happy to to address your concerns and Zach's clapping because I got uh-huh. the, the email correct, which is wonderful. So thank you for lending self to me. With You're that, welcome. this is The Great Podcast. I'm John. I'm dirt roading it and I'm Alex. And I'm not falling off my bike, <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> or morning. Or afternoon. Whenever you listen. Whenever to this. you listen. How about this? See you around. <laughs> so long. Adios. Goodness gracious. Uh-